Welcome to the Great Lakes Hockey Podcast. Here are your hosts, Anthony Bumbaco and Colin Gibbons. Hello there, hockey fans, and welcome to another edition of the Great Lakes Hockey Podcast. Your host, Anthony Bumbaco, here with Colin Gibbons. And we're not going to waste any time today. We're going to keep things short and sweet with an uh, edition that we're going to talk about the free agency frenzy. And we'll look at the draft a little bit. And Colin, what were your first reactions to the free agent frenzy that took place this week? Uh, defenseman got paid. I, I That was my the thing I was looking at. I was reviewing signings today. Defenseman got paid in free agency this year. There are some big contracts. Lots of 9 million defensemen, apparently. Yeah, I think this year was the summer of the defensemen. And Colin, I'm just going to read off some numbers to you, courtesy of Cap Friendly. So on day one of free agency, there were 163 signings. Total contract years were 296 years with total cap hit of over 281 million. And the total dollars spent just on day one was 785 million. What do you think to that? Considering the cap is flat and... It's supposed to be a down year. Players taking more respectable deals. That's a lot of money. I don't care who you are, what sport you're in. That's a boatload of money. Yeah, I can't help but agree with you on that, Colin. And when I saw some of the contracts being thrown out, I was working at the time, as you know, and I always listen to uh, the podcasts that are on. I listen to the coverage of the free agent frenzy and some of the dollar amounts being thrown out there just caught me off guard. Uh, starting with Blake Coleman over to Calgary. I couldn't believe he got the deal that he got. I know he was really great, obviously, for Tampa Bay in the playoffs. But to get the deal that he got, I thought that was just insane. You're looking at a six-year deal, just under $5 million cap hit. That's insane. I I have a feeling that, to me, screams David Clarkson when he came from New Jersey and went to Toronto. Have You know, a good player, has a good season albeit in a depth role in Tampa. I I know he's going to play that role-player role on Calgary, and that's what they want him to play, but that's that's a big ask, and I have a feeling that contract is not going to live up to... Um, or Sorry, the, the player is not going to live up to the contract. Yeah, most definitely, Connor. And I know it wasn't really a free agent contract, but another big contract came to Seth Jones when yep. he got that trade over to the Flyers. Or sorry, to the Blackhawks, I should say. And he got paid with an almost max deal. I believe it was something like a $9 million contract over a max term of seven years. Uh, what was 9. the reaction 5, to that? It was 9.5 over eight years for $76 million. 9.5, oh, right, because uh, he got yeah, um, he got traded. He year. still qualifies for the eight year. That's right. So what was your reaction to the Seth Jones deal? Um, Good for him. Um, I think it's a lot for Seth Jones. He, he was elite for a while in Columbus, but you go look at his metrics, they've um, come back down to earth. But if he can come back to anywhere near the D that he was for Columbus for a long time, they've locked up a number one D. Uh, Chicago's done a lot. I really like the moves Chicago's made. Their team, I think, is going to be vastly improved. Um, but 9.5 is a lot. I'm hoping that he can um, become that elite defenseman again. Clearly, yeah, Chicago's absolutely. hoping that as well. 
that that was that was a great signing in terms of a player that you're getting kind of had a rough year last season and you're trying to figure out how much of that was a struggling Columbus team and on top of that you're trying to take advantage of the end of Taves's career and Kane's career and obviously you saw them make that move for Marc-Andre Fleury if he does decide to play for them as well basically got traded there for free so I think that was a good move bringing in Seth Jones now on the same day as we're talking about moves that were leading into free agency you can't help but look at what Boston did with Taylor Hall and have to respect that contract when you're getting him for four years six million dollars a guy who came into Boston he was effective in the playoffs I mean he didn't light up the world or anything like that but he certainly showed he has a lot left in the tank and I think Boston did a good job there. Not only that, but some of the moves we'll get into when we talk about free agency day itself. And I think I really like that signing for Boston. It gives them another depth winger behind the obvious top line of the perfection line. So I think they did a really good job getting Hall locked up, especially considering the return they had to give up to Buffalo to even bring him over in the first place. Yep, I think that it was a good signing. Values on point. He had 14 points in 16 regular season games. Scoring went down in the playoffs a little bit, but it gives them scoring off of that first line which was like that line's again amazing don't need to talk about them too much but they didn't have much scoring after that some of those depth guys Krejci left um we heard today going back home um you know DeBrusque has not panned out to where I think Boston fans was hoping or even to continue that 20-30 goal pace that he has had in the past so getting Taylor Hall locked up for four years is going to give them some good complimentary scoring Now, another big signing that happened the next day on July 24th was obviously for the Colorado Avalanche and bringing back defenseman Kale McCarr obviously was only a restricted free agent, getting him locked up for six years at $9 million. So I'm going to let you speak on your reaction to that a little bit because you obviously know mine, obvious as a Colorado fan, I'm going to be a little bit biased. But what was your reaction to that McCarr deal at $9 million over six? About right. He's elite. He's young. Got him for six years. That window's open. You've got McKinnon on that super, super bargain. One of the probably, if not the best, the best contract in the NHL for a player right now. Um, market value for elite young defensemen. So it's about right. Yeah, I think uh, Colorado did a good job there getting him locked up. I know if you look at the structure of that contract, it was really interesting in that They gave him a signing bonus right at the end, and they have a lot of flexibility with that contract. Same with what they did with the Landeskog contract, which we'll get into in a second. But Colorado's done a really good job there trying to make sure they're locking up their core pieces. Obviously, it didn't really pan out on free agency day itself. As I said, we'll get into that in a second. And my frustration. Um, A couple other signings that happened before free agency uh, Trevor Moore got locked up, former Toronto Maple Leaf, by the Los Angeles yep. Kings. Got a two-year deal. That was a nice little signing. Mark Stahl returned over to Detroit. Um, Sam Bennett reading up when Florida was a really great deal, I think. I love that contract. I'm just, I'm just a little apprehensive because his sample size in Florida was really small. And he's always shown, even when in Calgary, that he's in that small window. He's played really good for short periods of time and then fades back down. And, you know, that's one of the reasons he got traded. But if just he... to push back a little bit, Colin, on that, I think I really liked what San Bennett's offered in the playoffs, too. In mm-hmm. the bubble when Calgary was there, he showed up and he was the one player who was crashing, banging. So he's somebody that can do a lot away from the puck. And I think we yes. really saw that coming to fruition there. But yeah. I see where you're coming from, too. 
yeah. So if if he can play like he was playing for Florida, um, then it's a great signing. So other moves leading into free agency, you obviously saw Pavel Buknevich getting dealt from the Rangers over to the St. Louis Blues, and then he got paid at 5.8 over 4. I thought that was a little bit of an overpay. Um, and I can see why the Rangers traded him. Um, if he was asking that, they've got some young young players who've not quite made it. If any of those guys, Kratzoff, uh, Lafiniere, Kako, any of those guys can um, crack into that top winger position, then they're set and they're going to save a bunch of money. And just continuing on, Colin, uh, Paul Stastny reading up in Winnipeg for another year at 3.75. I thought that was a yeah. responsible signing. And just before we get into the Winnipeg Jets, we can't help but mention the two trades that they made uh, previous to that uh, just before the draft, bringing in Brendan Dillon. And I think that was a really great move. Yes. And then they also brought in Nate Schmidt over from the Vancouver Canucks who wanted out. So I think reing up that blue line or solidifying that blue line, I should say, was a really smart move by Winnipeg. Yes, finally addressing and without really touching their offense, which was their biggest strength, along with goaltending, um, finally addressing their defensive depth issues. So I'm a big fan of both of those moves. And I know we talked about on our previous entity that the Winnipeg Jets might have arguably the best top six in the NHL, or at least the deepest, if they can get what they want out of Pierre-Luc Dubois coming into this season with a fresh start coming into training camp. That's going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially when we go back to regular divisions. The central division is going to be a absolute dogfight with some of the other teams that have gotten better as well. Yeah, I'm going to be watching a lot of Winnipeg hockey this year, I'll just say that. Yeah, I think they're a really fun team. They're really hard to hate, I think, Colin. Yeah, it's a, a smaller market up there in Winnipeg, um, but I, I like the way a lot of those Winnipeg players play. I know you and I are both really big fans of Kyle Connor. Um, I think he's a underrated goal scorer. Yeah, and I think Nikolai Ehlers was an outside Hart Trophy candidate uh, before he got hurt leading into the playoffs, too. Now, one of the other signings, and this was a no-brainer, obviously, Alexander Ovechkin comes back to Washington on a five-year deal with $9.5 million. Obviously, that's a really high contract for a man his age, but you're basically paying for his legacy at this point, well, and, and hopefully he can try and track down Wayne Gretzky. It's not like he doesn't score still. Um, So, it's five more years. Yeah, I think he'll be 41 when that deal's over, but he's still scoring he can still give you 30 to 40 goals a year easily i think yeah and i think the way that he scores it's basically a lot of that power play that wicked shot that goalies chance can't seem to stop years and years and years teams know it's coming teams try to overplay it but as long as you have carlson there and you still have backstrom being able to dish the puck around i think ovechkin's gonna be uh still very deadly yeah so i think i you know i wasn't surprised i think everybody kind of just yeah he's going back to Washington. Um, there's a bunch of other kind of depth signings um, before, um, but I think along with Makar, uh, Colorado did some really good business with re-signing Gabriel Landeskog on that eight-year, seven million cap hit deal. Yeah, and just because I've read a lot on what was going on with those negotiations, Gabriel Landeskog previously had said he was disappointed 
that the contract wasn't done earlier. And it really started to sound like Alex Pietrangelo last year with St. Louis. And it was really terrifying as somebody who's a Colorado fan when you're hearing those words and you feel like Colorado's known as an organization that really is hard on their players. They're expecting them to take reasonable contracts and to be able to kind of come to the last minute and find a happy medium, so to speak, and agree on that eight years at 7 million. Maybe the contract doesn't age well, but I think getting your captain locked up at that money is pretty good business. And it keeps the window open. It keeps that line that if it's that line, Landis Cog, McKinnon, Rantanen in the conversation of best leagues up there with perfection line and some of those lines that Tampa can throw out. It's in that conversation of best line in the NHL. So being able to keep that locked up for a couple more years, at least is a win for Sackick. Yeah. And just before we get into the free agent signings, I thought another really good piece of business as you're talking about Tampa Bay was what they did with Braden point and getting another guy locked up in $9.5 million guy who's basically earned it almost scored a goal a game in the playoffs. I thought that was a really good piece of business by Tampa Bay as well. Yep. Um, Solid signing keeps that core together for more time. They lost their depth scoring depth players, but that core is just strong enough that they're going to be able to supplement it, I think. And they're still going to be a cup favorite. Yeah, most definitely. So let's get into Colin, some of the big free agent signings that happened on free agency day and the beginning in the first hour. Now, obviously we know that, general managers aren't supposed to be speaking to players anymore. They got rid of that window a couple years ago, but a whole bunch of deals leaked beforehand. And then right at noon, you're telling me that these contracts just magically got signed. So the first deals that I saw come to fruition actually involved the Toronto Maple Leafs and Peter Mrazek getting signed as a goaltender with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Colin, how did you feel about that signing as a Leaf fan? (sighs) A little underwhelmed by the player but then i started to look into it more and his numbers have been good he's a strong goalie who has the history of playing that platoon system which i think is what's going to be happening with campbell this year the 3.8 is less than they would have paid for anderson and he mrazic's arguably been a more reliable goalie and i think that's what toronto needs they don't need the world's best goalie They need a goalie who's going to come up and make that save when it needs to be made. And I think with Campbell and Mrazek, so I think it was kind of, the name might have been a little underwhelming. Um, But I think it was a solid signing. It's going to give us just good goaltending going into next year. Nothing elite, but good goaltending. And just in reaction to that, then we saw the Carolina Hurricanes bring on Freddie Anderson and basically saw Mrazek switch places with Freddie Anderson and Carolina also brought in anti-Ranta. And this is a team I'm really confused about direction. Um, they had a chance to re-sign Nadalkovic, and they oh, shipped him off to Detroit. What's going on there? Like it's I'm you know what? Carolina was a fan favorite team. They're a social media darling. They're doing all the things for the fans. They go and get rid of him. They bring in two underwhelming goalies, in my opinion. And then they probably made the biggest bonehead move of the day, bringing in Tony D'Angelo. I I don't know what's going on there. They had a good young goalie who got Calder votes. He didn't sign for that much. You're paying Anderson more than he's getting paid in Detroit. 
just sign your goalie. He played great. Yeah, I, I don't really understand what they're thinking there. Like, I mean, obviously you have goaltenders like an Andrew Hammond if you use back who have those flash-in-the-pan runs. But we're talking about a guy that, yes, he had put great numbers up before that in the AHL or anything like that. But Carolina is known to be a team that can shut things down. So why not run maybe one of these veterans and keep the young goaltender and kind of have one of the older guys mentoring him? Like, I'm just looking it up right now. He in the regular season this year had a uh, 1.9 goals against average and a 932 save percentage in the playoffs. And I believe this was against Tampa. He had a 217 goals against average and a 920 save percentage. Like he's 25. He's drafted by Carolina. He came up through the system. I don't get it. I, I great pickup by Detroit. Yeah, definitely. I think Steve Eiserman's really on to something there. He's made some really quiet, under-the-radar moves and things happen. Um, now, sticking with goalies, we saw a couple of other moves. Um, we saw Martin Jones sign on a one-year deal after getting bought out with San Jose. I don't really have much to say about that. We know what Martin Jones is. He's mediocre at best. So that team's going to be really bending on, obviously, Ryan Ellis coming in, Keith Yando coming in. And Carter Hart bouncing back. So you're not getting much out of Martin Jones. No, I think he's there just as a safety blanket. <laughs> like somebody to play in that, basically. Yeah, and then you also saw another guy who was bought out in Braden Holby signing on one year in Dallas. Basically, it's an insurance policy if Ben Bishop isn't ready for the season. Yep. Um, not much to say about that either. You saw Laurent Brissot kind of moving over to Vegas, filling the hole in as the backup goaltender behind um, Robin Leonard. Um, I think Boston gets a good goalie in Allmark um, with huge question marks over uh, Rask. Um, whether he can stay healthy, I know he's had some injury issues, but Allmark put up really strong numbers on those Buffalo Sabres teams um, for a couple of years now. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do on, well, just a very strong cup favorite Boston team. Yeah, and then another really quiet signing that I thought was really good piece of business. I really didn't like a lot of what Vancouver did. Um, obviously, they made some moves. They've corrected some of their mistakes, getting rid of guys that they just brought in last summer. But I really like them bringing in Yarrow Hlack. He's a very steady backup, and I think he'll be a good mentor to Thatcher Demko. Yep, he's... He's good enough that he can play that starter's role if you need him to. Um, but having played with Rask in that 1A, 1B system for a couple of years now, he's going to be more than comfortable doing that um, and mentoring a young goalie. So I think that was some shrewd business. And then just cleaning up the goalies, we saw Brian Elliott heading to back up in Tampa Bay. I thought that was a nice little deal. Uh, you saw John Bernier going over on a two-year deal to New Jersey, basically as an insurance policy to... Um, the name's leaving my head right now. Mackenzie Blackwood. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my mouth there. Um, and then obviously saw Cardin Hutton move over to Arizona, which set up a deal later in the day. But finishing up on goalies, the big signing of the day. And for lack of a better words, I was really pissed off because it seemed like Colorado was really continuing to negotiate with their events the nominee. You saw the Seattle Kraken, who... 
last podcast I said I love their jerseys. I absolutely despise this team now. I can't stand them. I hope they don't win anything ever because they took our goalie because they had cap space. Pardon my homerism, but that's how I feel. He signs a six-year deal worth $5.9 million. What was your reaction to Ron Francis's piece of business here? I didn't get it. I honestly don't really understand what Seattle's trying to do. They drafted... Now, I'm going to pause you for a second. Are you saying you don't get it on behalf of Seattle signing him, or do you not understand why Grubauer would sign in Seattle? A little bit of both, to be honest. Like, Seattle's not going to win. I'm sorry. You just... They're not going to win. They're not I'm going to mark that Vegas. down and timestamp that right now, because if they happen to pull a Vegas, we'll replay that on the podcast. <laughs> okay, Ellen. and I will be the first to admit it. Um, but they also, they had, they have uh, Chris Drager that they signed from Florida, who played really good hockey. And at the time, they still had um, Vantek. Vitek Vanacek, yeah. Vanacek. From, and I thought that would have been a great one-two punch going for you. And then you go out and sign this guy. And if I'm Drager, to be honest, I'm a little annoyed. You signed me to be your starting goalie, then you go out and get Philip Grubauer. Yeah, it really confused me what exactly Philip Grubauer is trying to accomplish here as well. You would think with Colorado being in a Stanley Cup window, you might settle for a little bit less to play some winning hockey. And I think you're really going to get to see how good of a goaltender Philip Grubauer is. Obviously, we talked about Seattle, and I think they did a good job with some of their defensemen that they picked. I know we're not going to get into reacting to the expansion draft as a whole again, but I just think that their D is okay. Guys like Vince Dunn should get a good shot there. But I don't really know what Grubauer's thinking on this one. Nope. That one confused me. Now, in reaction to that, I thought one of the good moves of the day, although it was a hefty kind of pay for it, was Colorado trading for Darcy Kemper. And I think that's going to wrap up our talk on goaltending. And I think giving up a first-round pick and Connor Timmons was a kind of steep price for a goaltender especially because Joe Sackick lost all of his leverage when Grubauer left. And the funny thing about Grubauer leaving was you saw all those goalies we already talked about already off the board. The only guy that was really left was Allmark, and he went to Boston. Joe Sackick was really in a position of weakness. So trade your six best defensemen and a first-round pick, which will probably be late in the first round, and bring in a pretty solid goaltender. I know he's a little bit older, but getting Arizona to retain a little bit of money I thought it was a nice little move by Sack. It kind of sure things up. Yeah. Um, you've got, in Colorado, you have that, you have young defensive players that are coming up. Like, you have Bowen Byram, who didn't feature too much. Like, you've got young guys coming up that are easily going to take those minutes from uh, Timmons. Um, and you got uh, Darcy Kemper at 3.5. And that first, barring, like, catastrophic failure that first line alone is going to make sure that's a late first. So just reviewing something else funny when we were talking about Seattle, did you realize that Gavin Brother, who they took from Columbus, didn't sign with them and he signed back with Columbus? I did not. Yeah, he signed out a two-year deal at $750 million. I must have missed that. But why would you not just, you know, take try and get a pick from Columbus or take not pick Domi. the guy. I'm, so, I'm sorry. There were some. We don't want to talk about it too much, but there were some picks from Seattle that I just just confused me. 
The only contract of the day I really liked for Seattle, I did not mind bringing in Jaden Schwartz yeah. on a 5.5 at five years. I think he's the kind of guy that can bring in a little bit of veteran leadership. I know he's finally stayed healthy for the most part of the last few seasons. He's put up some good numbers. And I think he's going to be a really good complement to what they've already had. I think that was probably my favorite signing for Seattle. Yeah, but that's that's another player that I kind of wonder... And I know St. Louis had some cap difficulties, but take a little bit less money and stay on that St. Louis team. They're not that far removed from winning a cup. So, yeah, yeah the I, only issue there is I'm pretty sure that they're tight against the cap unless they're able to find a taker for Tarasenko. <sighs> yeah, I to be honest, I'm a little surprised Seattle didn't take him on that gamble that you get a 30 or 40 goal scoring winger. But <sighs> here we are. I think the one funny thing before we continue to talk about signings, Colin, is I told you the biggest issue I have with the NHL right now is it almost seems like the best player in the NHL is cap space. Yes, teams are trading assets for cap space. And um, I heard, I think it was on the Steve Dangle podcast, that um, with Edmonton's goaltenders, they need a goaltender. Can they really go into the season with the goalies they have? And Koskinen on 4.5. Well trade that player to a team that might not have the strongest complement of starting goalies in Buffalo and you trade basically you're trading cap space to Buffalo for a pick and now just sticking with the Edmonton Oilers for a second Colin we saw them make two signings and they brought back Tyson Berry on a three-year 4.5 million dollar contract and I had no issue with that to be honest he did a really good job with them, especially courting backing their power play. Yeah, you know what I you're getting with Tyson Berry. I think he found his niche there. I think Toronto was expecting him to be more than what he was, and especially when he was first brought in under Babcock and he was kind of being misused. I think that that was a little bit frustrating. They were trying to turn him into a shutdown defenseman at one point with he's, Muzzin, he's I believe. Not. He's just like, you. Know, he's he's a glass cannon defenseman. All offense, nothing else. And I know that from experience watching Barry. I told you that when he got traded to the Leafs, he's a heck of an offensive defenseman, but he's not going to do anything for you defensively. He never has. He's a good skater, but I think part of it might be his size, and he's not really a physical defenseman, and it just seems like he's not really offering much. Mind you, it seemed like he had really great chem chemistry with a really solid power play with Dreisaitl and McDavid, so I think he's a fine signing. But then their second defense signing, Colin... You can go on that one. Um, drawing a blank off my head who it was. Cody CC call. Cody C Yes, Cody thank CC. you. We talked about it before the show. <sighs> Cody CC. Bum. He, he... <laughs> his Bum. time in Ottawa? Not great. His time in Toronto? <laughs> Definitely not great. He has half a season of good hockey in Pittsburgh. And you sign him for four years at 3.25? Like, oh, what? come on. His numbers aren't good. He doesn't pass the eye test. What? His underlying numbers are apparently relatively good. I was reading a lot of people that have focused on analytics, and they've said he has great <laughs> possession numbers. I think Kyle Dubas said the same thing when they brought him in. And they but, said they didn't have an issue with Cody CC, but honest to God. Watch him play. Just watch him play hockey. That's all. You don't need numbers. Just watch him play hockey. 
And that's where analytics sometimes can be fooling us, right? We see a guy and he's got these really great numbers, but who knows when he's playing against harder players, top lines, when he's kind of against, for lack of a other word, other bums on other teams. Like maybe he's lined up against uh, Ryan Reeves, who just, hang on, we'll get into Ryan Reeves in a little bit. Um, and but overall, the- I don't know what Edmonton's direction is. How the heck are they trying to win with Mike Smith and Koskinen and still can't play any defense? And then they trade a, a good young right-handed defenseman Ethan for nothing against Fogel. But, like, what are you doing? I don't get it. So, <sighs> Colin, did you know that I refer to Warren Fogel as McLovin? Every time I hear Fogel, I think of McLovin. <laughs> Every time. So they basically traded a bear for McLovin. So, so is McLovin really going to go and help play defense in Edmonton? Like, don't get me wrong. As a Leafs fan, I'm going to miss Zach Hyman. He's going to make, I'm assuming he's going to play with Connor McDavid. He's just going to make Connor McDavid a better player. Um, Because he did it with the Leafs, whether he played with Whatever line he played on, he made Matthews better, he made Tavares better, he made the third line better. He's going to make whatever player he plays with in Edmonton better. But that's just going to further imbalance the scoring on that team. Well, let's put it this way. Let's hope that McDavid and McLovin can just light things up and Edmonton will maybe get past the first round. You know, you get bounced by Chicago, then you get bounced by Winnipeg. Not in a relatively close series. And I really don't know what to make of this Edmonton Oilers team. I feel like they're eventually going to see McDavid pull a John Tavares and he's going to just peace out. Oh, like, they have Darnell Nurse, good defenseman. They have Duncan Keith, great defenseman 10 years ago. Like, he's 38 now. Um, a good leader, but not the D- Duncan Keith he was playing for Team Canada. They have Tyson Berry, who doesn't play defense. They have Clef Baum, who might not play, question mark. Cody Ceci, um, and aging Chris Russell. Like, that decor does not inspire confidence. I look at it, and I think it might be worse than it was last year. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about the Oilers for too long, and we'll get into them a little bit more later, or in future podcasts as we go through the summer. But I think Edmonton still has the same holes, and I don't think they've really addressed them. I know there is rumors that they are still trying to trade for a goaltender, and we'll see where that goes. But let's move on a little bit, Colin. So other defensive signing, I'm just going to name off some names, Colin, and I'll let you react as you want. So David Savard going over to Montreal, he said that was a lot to do with a family decision. So I thought that was not a bad move. And it's cover for Weber if he doesn't play. Exactly. Uh, Zach Bogosian, rather, can't beat him, join him kind of thing, going over to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you also saw uh, another defenseman. What was I looking at? You saw Patrick Nemeth going over to the Rangers. Um, you saw Alec Martinez reing up in Vegas. I thought that was a really good deal that they got there at three years, yeah. 5.25. Uh, we can't miss out on probably the big fish of free oh, I was going to get to that, Colin. I was going to okay. get to that. 
I just wanted to go through a little bit of the minor signings a little bit more. So we already talked about Yandel signing on a one-year deal in Philly. Uh, you saw Ryan Suter. I don't know how he got a four-year contract after being bought out for Dallas at 3.65. I think Ryan Suter's still a good defenseman. He was just... Like, he's, he was playing 22 minutes plus a game last year for Minnesota. So he can still, clearly, they wouldn't have been playing him 22 minutes a night if he can't play defense. So I think he's still a good defenseman, but I have worries about the longevity of that deal. Now, another signing we said, Colin, was Tony Angelo going over to the Hurricanes, getting a second <sighs> chance. And I know Hurricanes fans aren't exactly pleased with that one. I don't, I don't really get it. They don't need an offensive defenseman. Um... He's another glass cannon build like Tyson Berry. Um, that being said, I I know he's had his trouble with the Rangers. And he didn't play most of the season. But if he can sort things out, he is an incredibly talented offensive defenseman. But clearly has those off-ice issues. Yeah, I don't really get want to get too much into that. I saw a really good article on the Athletic by Sarah Siv, and she basically spoke on behalf of the or the Carolina Hurricanes fan base, and she also actually had conversation with GM Don Waddell and Tony D'Angelo, and he was very vague in his responses. Call and I recommend our listeners if you do have a subscription, check that one out. But basically, they asked him what he's done to rehab, and he said, "Oh, I've been in a group in New York," and they said, "What kind of group?" And he said, I don't really want to get into those details. So it was really vague responses. But it's not like Tony D'Angelo's problems have started in the NHL. He got, when he was in the OHL, he was found to be racist. And he made a racial slur to one of his teammates. Um, who he, in the article, says that he's still friends with and that he made a mistake. So he doesn't seem to want to take accountability for anything. I'm not really understanding why you would bring that into that locker room and make things toxic. But... Unfortunately, it seems, Colin, that the culture of the NHL still to this day, and we'll wrap things up when we talk about the NHL draft a little bit, is you do what you need to do to win and think about ethics later. Yeah. Um, and, I, okay, I know it was technically an RFA signing, uh, but Zach Grinsky got paid, another D. Uh, he's got his 9.58, so he's worth more than Seth Jones and Kilmacar. Now, was that more of a just uh, Seth Jones got traded, they have no choice, and they're in desperation mode, and they need to keep their defenseman at home? It's a little bit of both. It, like, he is a very good defenseman. Him and Seth Jones made up one of the best defensive pairings in the NHL for a couple seasons. Like, he was really strong. You know, he had 20 goals, 16 goals, um, 40 mid 40 points but putting up 20 goals as a defenseman is really impressive um this past season he had 20 points in 35 games with seven goals so you prorate that over a full season he's pushing 20 goals and well over 40 points so he's clearly can play he was anchored with a, a really strong seth jones but i do you can go back years now columbus has difficulty keeping star players Panarin, Duchesne, um, Bobrovsky, like I, we can keep going. Um, Seth Jones is gone now, so I think it's a little bit of that. We gotta pay him to make sure he stays here. 
Now, the one thing we said, did see happen also that was a kind of a good thing for Columbus, obviously it was a no-brainer, was we did see Patrick Liney. he did keep uh, or did sign his qualifying offer, so he'll be back on a one-year deal, basically approve him. I don't think he can be as terrible as he was after the trade from Winnipeg over to Columbus. Um, No, I still think they need a true center. They have a couple guys who have played center or play center. Um, if you can get a center, you have a semblance of a line with Lion A and Voracek. Maybe Domi plays and can find that. I think he had 70 points this season in Montreal. Um, but I look at that lineup and I, I question who's going to like pass the puck to him. The only thing that and we'll, we won't really get into the draft on this podcast. We are running a little bit longer than I wanted to. And I do want to keep talking about free agents. But I think Columbus did a good job in the draft. They did have two first-round picks, and they did focus on center depth. I know it's going to be a couple of years away, so help might be on the way, but it might be too late for a guy like Line before those guys develop. So for Columbus fans, I hope they pan out because it might be a couple of rough years, although there's some really, really talented consolation prizes coming up for the next couple of drafts. Right. Now we'll get into the big fish, Colin, and I know you kind of jumped the gun there on me, but we did see the biggest signing of the day, or the probably the one that was rumored right out the gate, took a little bit to develop over the course of the day, but you saw Carolina's former defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, going over to the New Jersey Devils on a seven-year, $9 million deal. So what was your reaction to Dougie Hamilton signing in New Jersey? I think it was, what? Like, legitimately. And then I had to go, like, look at it and think about it, and I couldn't... Maybe it was the team that offered the most money? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is they did have the cap space next signing like that. I think another thing that really helps this team is you have P.K. Subban's monster contract coming off the books at the end of next season. So you're really going to be able to fill the gap with that money. You have a really young roster with guys like Jack Hughes, Nico Hischer and other pieces in there. So I think I really like this signing in that it gives them some legitimacy on the blue line. I know they moved out Will Butcher right after that. Um, they did add Ryan Graves, though. I, I, I don't hate their blue line this year. Hamilton, Subban, Sefferson, Graves, uh, Ty Smith. Like, it's yeah, a Ty young... Smith's a beauty. I, I really like Ty Smith. I forgot about him. I, I don't hate their decor. Um... So they lost Will Butcher, but they added, I think, Ryan Graves. Um, some big question marks on, again, yeah, who's going to score for you. Um, Jack Hughes made some really good strides this year. Um, if Nico Hischier can continue to, to grow offensively, he's a, a, a strong two-way center. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood, great young goalie. I don't hate the direction that team's heading. Um, and they, they do have that youngest, the youngest Hughes brother coming up now to play defense for them as well. Um, I don't hate where this team's going. I think they're going to struggle because they're in a, a tough division, but don't hate the team. Absolutely, Colin. Now, there wasn't a really huge market for forwards available. Um, I think one of the biggest signings we saw was Brandon Saad going over to the St. Louis Blues on a pretty reasonable deal at $4.5 million. You saw Mike Hoffman, basically a power play specialist and a guy who can score going over to the Montreal Canadiens. 
They but needed really, that, though. They need a goal scorer, so I don't mind that. But really, it wasn't a really big day for forwards, Colin. You saw some a lot of minor depth pieces, for the most part, uh, yeah. going to different teams. Um, yeah, Nick Foligno leaving Toronto goes to Boston. I think he'll fit in there well. Um, we mentioned the Leafs, and living near the Owen Sound area, I know they signed Curtis Gabriel. Um, loved watching him play here. I know he's kind of turned into a, a, a air quote tough guy in the NHL, but knowing Curtis Gabriel, you wouldn't think he plays that way of hockey, but I don't mind that signing. It's totally variable. Uh, David Camp, depth center. Um, so I think Dubas has come under a lot of flack, um, building the roster, signing some of those contracts. And again, same with the Mrazic deal. I don't think the Leafs got flashy names. But, and then today they got um, Andre, Andre Cash. Yeah. For, for a year at 1.25. So they got a, a bunch of players on low contracts. And I think Dubis is kind of throwing that net out, looking for those depth role players that are, that are going to come in and fill those roles. Because, you know, you have those four. Those four are going to score no matter who you put on. Matthews and Marner, they're going to put up points no matter who plays left wing with them but if you can find somebody who can work with them you know Hyman worked really well playing in the top six in Toronto yeah I was gonna say Colin we saw Zach Hyman <laughs> leave the Toronto Maple Leafs go over to the Edmonton Oilers on a seven-year deal I believe it was worth over what was 5. it 5.5 5. 5. yeah 5.5 million dollars so I think Edmonton he fits there I think he'll put good value on that contract at least for the first few years and it definitely does leave a hole on the Toronto Maple Leafs so there's no question about it yes Colin. the Maple Leafs left side is thin I can see Robertson coming up and playing in the top six maybe even on the first line um, I think Kerfoot plays top six left wing next year because there's there's not really anybody else I know they signed uh, this is my last chance to prove myself Josh Hosang onto a PTO. Um, I don't know why people are getting upset about that. It's a PTO. It doesn't mean anything. My gut says he doesn't make the team. But he has the talent. He o- he's always had the talent. So there's a question mark. Um, so I-, I think the Leafs are looking for role players. Guys that are going to go out there, get the puck, bang around a little bit. Um and who they can afford because they only had, I think, nine million going into free agency and spent a fair bit of that on a goaltender. So they're now, just hoping something sticks. And I just want to move over a little bit, Colin. Sorry, uh, away from the Leafs and over to the Los Angeles Kings. And the signing seems to make sense on the surface, but I do have some questions about it. And we saw Philip Deneau, who was fantastic in the playoffs defensively. Uh, moving over to the Los Angeles Kings on a $5.5 million ca- contract per year for six years. And I think he's going to be really great in his role. I think it's going to be really difficult to score on the Los Angeles Kings when you're running out there. Andre Kopitar, who's an outside Selkie candidate. Now you have Philip Deneau. But my issue with it, Colin, is what about these young prospect centers that this team has? They have a guy like Quinton Byfield coming up. They have Gabe Villardi sorry, coming up. They have Alex Turcotte coming up. What about these guys? Like, is Philip Deneau going to be a $5.5 million fourth-line center in a couple of years? 
that that was my gut reaction as well, looking at it. Um, you'll be wrong, he'd be the best fourth-line center in the league. But, um, I don't, I don't, that was one, I, again, I didn't really understand. Just from, like you said, those, those center positions. Um, they also have, did you mention Quentin Byfield? Yeah, I said Quentin yeah, Byfield okay. for sure. Who's going to be, despite some struggles early on, I think, but I think he's going to be a stud. I don't, I don't get it. Even at five point five for a third line center, that's a big ask in the NHL these days. And are you going to play those those prospects that we listed earlier? Are you going to play them as third line centers? Well, that's that's not their role. A lot of those guys are offensive players. Yeah, they also have a guy like Rasmus Kapari, Colin. So you're talking about Rasmus Kapari, who's a center. You're talking about Quinton Byfield. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you can move some of these guys to the wing. I think maybe moving Byfield to the wing might be smart. So you're taking a little bit of the responsibility away. I know there's a lot of pressure on him. He didn't make the team last year, and that LAT wasn't good. So for some reason, he didn't make it. So I think that you could move him to the wing, but I still don't understand this signing from the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, uh, good for Deneau. He got paid. Like, good for him. <laughs> yeah, I think he definitely earned that money. I think his performance in the playoffs was definitely good. Um, So, Colin, we could talk about a lot of the other signings, but overall... Um, what was your favorite signing all day from any of the teams? What was your favorite, you think? That's tough. There were a couple really good deals. Um, I have to think my my favorite signing, and this is coming from an Allmark owner in fantasy hockey. I really so like. I, say. I really like that Allmark signing in Boston. Um, I had Allmark for a couple of years as my third goalie in fantasy hockey. Now. Um, on Buffalo, I'm really excited that he got traded to Boston because I'm hoping for a significant improvement in his stats across the board, especially wins. But yeah. on a more like a serious one, I don't mind that Mike Hoffman one in, in uh, for the Habs. They need goal scoring. And I think when you start to look at some of those pieces now, they can actually piece together two, like, relatively good lines yes i know they made it to the stanley cup finals this year um but or i looked at that roster and i i just i didn't see a stanley cup final forward group at least in goal scoring um when you get continued growth out of some of your young centers suzuki kakanyemi um caulfield coming up you can actually start to play play around and come up with some relatively strong forward line. So I like that signing for the Habs. Um, just get them some goal scoring. Yeah, my first reaction column was I was obviously going to go with the Allmark move too. I think Boston's still trying to keep their window open. I think Allmark is awesome. The fact that he had an over 915 save percentage and a winning record on a Buffalo Sabres team was incredible. He should have won the Vesna just for that. Just for that, yeah. So I think that was a great move. Um, one of my other favorite contracts, and this was as a result of a trade, Colin, and we didn't really talk about it, but you saw the Vancouver Canucks make a trade with the Arizona Coyotes, and they brought in Oliver ekman Larson. But I really, really liked them bringing in Connor Garland. 
I love that move for the Vancouver Canucks. You're getting him in there on a pretty decent deal at 4.95 on five years. He was putting up numbers on a really terrible Arizona team. But I think with the explosiveness, you have guys like Elias Pettersson, you have Hoaglander, you have Besser. You obviously have a blue line. We've talked about my despise for Quinn Hughes um, as a defenseman in the fact that he doesn't really play defense, but it's hard to argue with what he does offensively. But I think Connor Garland's really going to be a player that they love in Vancouver, and I really like that signing as a result of the trade. Yeah, uh, gives them a bit of depth as well. Um, I think they had a weird down year. I see them bouncing back big time this year, especially in the division that they're in. And without being too much of a honer, my other favorite move, I really like the acquisition of Darcy Kemper in Colorado. And this is having watched him against the Colorado bench in the bubble, basically stop everything. I think he had like a 50 save game against Colorado Avalanche and all the firepower they have. As much as it hurts to lose Grubauer, I think that Kemper at a $3.5 million cap hit is really going to fill a role. He doesn't have to be spectacular. Colorado was one of the best defensive teams in the league. And I think just having him be steady back there, obviously Colorado is going to get Pravel Francois back. Uh, that was a really quiet thing. He missed the whole year with a groin injury that was really severe. So I think getting him back and Kemper back, I really like that move as much as it was a high price. I think that might've been one of the best goaltending moves of the day other than Allmark. Yeah, and it. I think Colorado is one of those teams, uh, like Detroit with um, Osgood. They don't need elite goaltending. Grubauer played really good for Colorado, really well. Part of my atrocious grammar there, um, and I think he, you're gonna get really good goaltending out of him. And I, to be honest, my gut says it might actually be better goaltending. Yeah, the other thing I really think, Colin, and I think you can blame Corey Crawford for doing this. You don't need a guy to steal games when you have a good team. You just need him to not give up that bad goal. And you saw that happen for the Leafs with Jack Campbell. I know the series wasn't his fault against the Montreal Canadiens, but that soft goal that he gave up in Game 7, that's frustrating. And I know you saw the same thing for Edmonton. You saw even Fleury make that mistake in the playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens. What the heck was he doing behind the net? So I think when you're just getting steady goaltending, you know what to expect. I think that's really what matters. Obviously, you have guys like Vasilyevsky who are going to steal you games. Even Carey Price at his age can do that. Well, but I think you just need yeah. somebody back there that you can trust and depend on. Yes. Don't give up. You don't need to make the elite saves. If you make one, great. But don't give up the bad goals. If you're stopping a cross crease, great. But if you're giving up cross creases, you know, you expect those to go in. But if you're letting in a soft wristers from the point or you're fumbling the puck behind the net, that's deflating. And that can just crush a team's morale. So you just need to be solid. But um, I, I think I, I like that trade. I don't, I actually don't think it was that much of an overpayment based on where that first is going to be and what role that player Timmons played on defense for Colorado. I think that was a solid trade. Um, but overall, I think some teams made some really big questionable trades, some really questionable signings. Um, other te teams were frugal. Other teams didn't do too much. Other teams improved dramatically. I like, I'm looking at some of the stuff Chicago's done over the past week or so. I look at the, uh, the, the Devils. 
Um, but overall, I think I, I enjoyed it. There was a lot of signings. We've been talking a lot, looking at different players and deals that they were getting. Some players overpaid, some players signing great bargain deals. I had a, I've had a lot of fun with free agency over the past week. Now, just to shift gears, Colin, and I want to move into our probably our favorite segment, and that's going to be our You Can't Do That for the Week. You can't do that! And I think we would be remiss. I know we didn't really get into the draft, Colin. Maybe we'll look back at some prospects as we go through the summer with all the downtime that we're going to have. Um, but I think we can have this segment without looking by the decision that was stunning by the Montreal Canadiens, Colin. Oh, um, I'm not going to get into the, any of the politics of it, but, and I don't care how good that player is, but if there are even question marks about that, and at this point there weren't question marks, what are you thinking? Like, the backlash... So for our listeners, obviously, you know what we're talking about. Um, you saw a player from Sweden named Logan Mayu. I believe that's how you say his name, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, he made a terrible decision to basically get himself in the trouble with the law in regards to a woman that he had interacted with while he was playing overseas this past season. And he came up with a statement basically saying he was taking himself out of the draft entirely. And what did the Montreal Canadiens do the next day? They selected him with a 31st overall pick. And then they proceeded to follow that. Wow, proceeded to follow that. Some terrible English. I apologize. Um, but basically, they accompanied that draft pick with a statement that they wanted to help Logan and trying to resuscitate him. And help him. He they realize he made a mistake. They want to help him learn a lesson, and everybody was absolutely shocked by the pick. It. I don't. I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. I don't care if he's a good prospect. That just and you can see they're they're kind of backpedaling with some of the statements. Molson came out and made a statement. The team made a statement. Bettman made a statement. If you haven't seen it, yeah. Just to add to the you can't do that, Colin. You mentioned Jeff Molson's statement. Another part of the you can't do that of this is releasing a statement on this issue at twelve noon as free agency's opening, trying to bury the news and bury the lead. I was really annoyed about that too. And like Jeff Molson, I think it's Jeff Molson. Um, doesn't like come out too much and talk about the team and he came out and made a very like long-winded statement and i kind of got the vibe of a like he didn't like give the thumbs up for that and it kind of just happened and he's kind of like well we did it but now we have to make sure we're not like burying ourselves because of this i do give him credit for saying that they did make a mistake by calling my issue with that statement it was four days too late. It was four days too late. That should have came out instantly from him. And better yet, they shouldn't even have made the pick, Colin. That that never should have happened, in my opinion. Yeah, it's... The silver lining out of this is it's bringing further light to the plight um, and the issues that survive around this. And I know this actually happened... Um, has happened in a lot of communities where younger people aren't making these great decisions and it's affecting their lives. So I'm hoping that this can kind of shed some light on 
um, education towards the youth, um, towards making positive choices in this regard. Now, that being said, Colin, I did find out as I was doing a little bit more research that the NHL is the only league that does not have a specific player conduct policy. I know in the NBA, they have a policy and in the MLB, they have a policy against domestic violence and against player conduct. The NHL doesn't actually have a specific one written to the CBA. However, it does say that the commissioner, Gary Bettman, and um, Bill Daly uh, do have the power to kind of make these decisions on a case-by-case basis. And you did see the renunciation of a pick by the Arizona Coyotes last year due to a bullying incident. So I think that we may, over time, see the NHL step in. I know Bettman kind of alluded that today in his statement. You can go and read that. I'm reading it on the Scores News website. Um, But overall, I just want to finish that off by saying, Mark Bergevin, Montreal Canadiens, you can't do that. Nope. Now, any other final thoughts on this week's edition, Colin? I know we went a lot longer than we expected. I know I've been sitting here just casually talking about free agents, and there was a lot more to talk about than I originally thought. But any final thoughts this week? Um, I think we kind of touched on all the really big things that I wanted to look at, talk about. Um, and I'll just ask everyone if you enjoyed this and enjoyed our conversation. Um, I guess we'll kind of have episode number two, part two. Um, this was supposed to be a discussion of free agency and the draft. Um, and I guess in our part two, which will probably come out in a week or so, uh, we will go over our, our draft and some other just kind of thoughts about the NHL. So if you've enjoyed what you've, heard and our discussions and our conversations um please just check us out next week yeah and as well in addition to that please follow us on instagram and twitter and on facebook i'm going to be more active using our socials once we get into um training camps and into the regular season i know colin and i are going to start saving clips colin just finally got updated internet and we like to play the nhl games so we may upload clips like that and you can interact with us that way but please follow us on all socials And as well, the podcast can be found on Spotify if you found it there, as well as other platforms. I'm going to do a better job, hopefully trying to market things out as we go along here. But it's got to get a base somewhere. And we do appreciate you listening. So on behalf of uh, my co-host, Colin Gibbons, thank you for listening to the Great Lakes Hockey Peak podcast. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone.